Well, hello, this is uh, Mike, and you are listening to Driving Theology. Uh, this is going to be the second take today. Uh, as I am wont to do, I ran out of batteries again, uh, and I thought it'd just be easier to uh, record it again on the way back. It didn't go particularly well anyway, uh, but I missed about probably over 20 minutes or almost 30 minutes. Uh, I only got about 10 minutes recorded in the one this morning, so I might as well just start from the beginning and uh, hopefully I can remember some of what I was talking about and hopefully it'll even even be more uh, concise and to the point uh, since I've done it once already. However, now that I say that, trying to remember where my starting point was, it's not going to be all that easy, I'm starting to realize, just now. Um, we are in the middle of the riots which have been sparked by, uh, sparked and I would say fed by several incidents of police brutality. Uh, and really, we have perhaps returned to uh, the civil rights movement. Uh, we've we've come to the civil rights movement movement once again, and hopefully, we can shore up some of the uh, things that were not achieved in the civil rights movement or were not completely realized, so that. African Americans and people of color uh, in general can have better equality and uh, be treated with with more humanity and more respect uh, than they have ever known to this point. There is considerable resistance, however, to this movement. Of course, it's to be expected. Uh, if there were no resistance, there'd probably be no need for this movement. Um, so there, there is resistance. And um, I would say the, the strongest resistance is apathy. I'd say the, the, the most dangerous, uh, the most dangerous enemy to, uh, to equal rights for people of color is apathy. People that people that believe that it already exists, that they already have everything that they ever wanted, that that there is no racism in America, or at least no sim systemic racism uh, that need keep anybody down. Uh, and, and so people just don't really care because they don't believe it's necessary, don't believe it's true. Uh, and, and so a few things have uh, come up. Ooh, excuse me, I've had a long day. Ugh, that felt good, though, to get that out. Uh, a few things have come up. One thing is Phil Vischer, who is the, the originator of the VeggieTales uh, and, and several other series now, one called What's in the Bible, which I think is a, a very good uh, children's course on, on how, to, how to read the Bible. Anyway, 
he has come out with a a video which you can see on YouTube. I think it's just come out out recently, and it's about uh, Americans and race. If you look up Phil Vischer, that's V I S C H E R, I believe, uh, and and type in race on on YouTube, I think you'll be able to find his video. It's super well done. He's 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 a, a very good uh, writer and blogger. As well as a podcast host, uh, and I've listened to a lot of his podcasts in the past. Um, he does a great job in outlining just what white privilege looks like and looked like in the past, and why it is that that black people seem to start at a very different place than white people, uh, on average. So the the average family. Uh, starts in a in a place of privilege if you're white but the average black family starts at a considerably lower starting point um, they have a lower uh, uh, income much lower income and much lower uh, wealth in general um, much lower for example if you're white uh, you have X amount and if you're black, you have about 20% of that amount. That's the average household for a black family. Uh, has only 20% of the wealth of the average white family. And Phil Vischer, basically, he says that that is why things seem to be the way they are. That poverty leads to crime. And I, I don't think anybody doubts this. Poverty obviously leads to crime. This is true. Uh, but he says why black people are in poverty, and that is because of this systemic racism that has been happening through the Jim Crow era, through the civil rights movement up until the present time, that even though there have been uh, major um, legislative progress, there has been major legislative progress uh, that what happened is white people just found loopholes and whatnot uh, in order to keep black people down um, and and somewhat subject to the white race as in slavery uh, and so of course the the root problem uh, of the racial issue is this feeling of white people that they are somehow superior to other races, which is called white supremacy. Uh, and and so that that is the the main uh, force that drives the, the systemic racism throughout the white world. I would say we see it. Uh, we have seen it in India. We've probably seen it in Hong Kong. We've most certainly seen it in Australia, probably New Zealand, uh, Canada, and and right now we are seeing it obviously in America, and it's always been in America since uh, since the beginning. And somehow, America and Americans, uh, as well as the other people in the white world, somehow have inherited this idea that they are in some way superior to people of other races. Uh, and even if it's not a conscious uh, thought, uh, 
or belief. It seems to be under the surface somewhere. And so, if that, if that is true, if somehow that is ingrained into us, that we are superior to other races, then it would follow that, that the way that we govern the countries in which we live would be in a way that, that reflects that belief. Uh, and that is what today we're calling uh, white privilege. In other words, the laws of a country are set up to benefit the white people most and first, uh, and then other races second. Um, and it's not just the laws, because the laws by and large have been fixed. Racism has been uh, struck from the law books by and large. However, the way that the law is um, wielded uh, in America, we have things like case law and whatnot. Uh, the way that, and the way and the reasons that people are arrested, right? Uh, the way that people are treated by law enforcement and labeled and profiled. Um, all of these things feed into this systemic racism. This is where it lies mostly today. Not in the laws per se, uh, but in uh, the the people involved in law. And I would say, first of all, the, the keepers of the law, which are the police. Uh, and then I would say from there we go to lawyers, uh, prosecutors, DAs. Uh, and then from there I'd say we could even go uh, up to judges uh, and then lawmakers. All the people that are involved in governance uh, seem to govern in a way, and this, this, this goes all the way back to vote fixing, making a certain, uh, um, what's the word, uh, demographics, um, a certain group of people ineligible to vote, uh, right now, well, at one point it was, it was women and it was blacks, uh, and it was people who, uh, were not uh, citizens or born in or white. Basically, white men could vote. Uh, then at one point, black people were allowed to vote, but then white people found ways to make a lot of the black people ineligible. They came up with laws of eligibility that favored white people uh, and punished black people, basically. Today, what that looks like uh, is uh, felony convictions. Uh, and felony convictions are just about as easy to get as, uh, you know, a breeze on your face these days. Uh, felony convictions, uh, they hand out like candy uh, for, the, for the lightest drug conviction or drug possession. Um, and so if you, if you possess, if you are caught with possession of any amount of drugs, uh, you can uh, be charged with a felony. And that felony will make it you ineligible, at least in some states, uh, to vote at all. Uh, and then they find other ways to to keep people from voting. There are all kinds of other ways. Uh, it's it's a criminal system. Uh, the people who have uh, created the system should be punished. Uh, and 
we need we need a a big reconciling in America. And it's not just going to be white people saying they're sorry. I mean, there there needs to be some kind of uh, re- um, reparations, reparations, reparations. That's the word. Uh, Renumeration. Um, there needs to be some kind of wealth given over to black people who have been systemically denied the ability to accrue any wealth for their family uh, over a hundred to two hundred years. Um, that doesn't even count slavery. Um, some of the sources uh, where I'm getting my stuff, and actually I happen to be reading the same book that Phil Vischer, I believe, um, gave some credit to, which is a book by a Mich- Michelle Alexander uh, called The New Jim Crow. Uh, I still don't know a lot about the origin of the word Jim Crow. I know Jim Crow was a person who lived, and there was a book written, uh, I believe, in 1954, uh, which I have not read yet. Um, but basically, it has come to mean the unfair laws that were written against black people and and favored white people. Uh, those laws have since been changed, as I said, but anyway, Jim Crow uh, refers to that. So this book is by Michelle Alexander called The New Jim Crow, and it was written some 10 years ago, um, but is super important now. Uh, and she is a uh, PhD. Um, I believe she's from the East Coast. I, I really should look into her more. But anyway, I'm, I'm actually listening to her book right now. Uh, and it, it outlines in detail um, not only the Jim Crow era, uh, but how the new Jim Crow era uh, took root and exists today and what that looks like. And so basically what, what happened was uh, even as black people seemed to be getting more and more freedom in America, white people worked all the harder to make sure that that didn't happen uh, subversively. And so it would seem like, or it seems like to me, that basically the establishment was bent on making sure that black people do not achieve equality with white people. That, that the powers that be um, decided that that was... Um, completely out of the question and that and so they have done whatever they can to to make sure that that does not happen so even you know at one time it was laws laws didn't work and then it was how laws were uh, interpreted uh, and and the profiling and all of these things and today the racism is sort of in code from the time of Reagan uh, up through Bush, Clinton, uh, and beyond, the laws that have been passed that are oppressing black people kind of have the racial language taken out. Uh, and yet, if you look below the surface, you see that those laws are targeting a certain demographic. There's the word I was looking for. A certain demogra- demographic of people uh, being mostly black Americans.
And so this is the, the Jim Crow era, the new Jim Crow era that we live in today. Uh, and I have family members who are victims of that. Uh, and so I do not wish to remain apathetic any longer, uh, but want to do everything I can uh, to get the word out that no, the system indeed is not fair. There have been some moves by the American government, uh, both local and federal in the past, that have had um, very uh, negative and horrible consequences for the black population. And it's a wonder that anybody keeps their head above water. But that is a testament to the spirit of African Americans. Uh, that there are those uh, who, despite the, the system uh, being bent against them, are able to somehow fight their way to the top. Uh, but yet, the, the average family still uh, is in poverty, uh, major poverty compared to white Americans. And so the country is up in arms now, and, and people have had it. Um, they are speaking out. Some of them are acting out. Uh, and Phil Vischer gets to this point where he says, I really wish you'd watch the video because I can't, I can't say it like he does. But his point is, that he doesn't have necessarily the answers to the problem, right? He doesn't know what's going to fix the problem. He says there's only one thing he wants us to do. And it's something that came up in, in, on Facebook a day or two ago. Uh, and I actually quoted somebody online uh, that came to the same conclusion. You know, we can argue until we're blue in the face but nothing's ever going to change until people care and so getting people out of their apathetic haze and their lackadaisical mindset to become empathetic to care is really the best thing we can do right now And I think, this may sound crazy, if everyone started caring, if every person who's involved in this issue started caring, the issue would go away by tomorrow. It could all be fixed. But there are people who who have a stigma, who cannot forgive anyone who's committed a crime. They just can't forgive them. That if you've committed a crime, you are a bad person and you are unforgivable and unredeemable. And if it were up to me, you would be in prison. This is how some people think. They don't have a forgiving personality. 
right? They struggle to forgive people. The problem is, the problem is, black people have been targeted. And like I said, they've been handed out felonies like candy. Uh, <laughs> bad candy. Um, poisonous candy. And so you have a lot of, a lot of, you have a big uh, section of African Americans who have felony convictions who are now, in essence, lower class citizens. Um, they, they have no rights. They're not allowed to vote, right? Uh, they, they can't uh, come anywhere close to a crime or they're back in, in prison and back in slavery which is basically what incarceration is. It's a new form of slavery. Um, and so, yeah, this... People have to care. And we have to take away the stigma from people who have wrongful felony convictions. People who should have had a misdemeanor at the most, or a ticket, have received felons, felonies, felon convictions, uh, and relegated to a lower class. And it's a pretty big part of the, of the population. Um, so my message to you today is care. Care about it. At the very least, if people are in pain, you should care. Right? Everyone should care. If someone is pain, is in pain, we may, may not have the answer to their pain, but the least we can do is listen and to care and to open our minds and our hearts to the suffering of people. That's, that's where I think we have to get to. I think, I think that's where Jesus was trying to lead us to. A new commandment I give you, he says. Love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. That's all he wants us to do, is to love each other. And you can't love somebody while ignoring their pain. While you are ignoring someone's pain, you are, by definition, not loving them. You are being apathetic, and you might as well hate them. Um, the white race, I think, is suffering from a bit of collective um, sociopathy. Right? We we are oblivious to how people feel and we don't care. That's that's what the white race looks like, right? The white race has become kind of a collective sociopath, um, which is a horrible thing, right? In some cases, the white race, some parts of the white race are not only sociopathic, but they're also psychopathic. Uh, and want to kill everybody who's not like them. And that's, hopefully that's a thing in the past, but there have been two lynchings of recent of people of color in the California 
Southern California area. Um, I say lynchings, it's still under investigation. I suppose it's possible that they are just two random events that are not connected where people happen to commit suicide uh, in the same town who were of the same race and committed suicide in the same way. I suppose that's possible. But that's not what it looks like. And there's some other uh, news coming out of that area that there are uh, some pretty racist people active in that area. Uh, they seem to be active everywhere. Um, okay, where I got to this morning, I've kind of got off off topic. I probably ended uh, ended where I started and started where I ended. Anyway, uh, one thing that came up on Facebook was this uh, recent um, trend by protesters tearing down, in cities even, tearing down the monuments of uh, racist people of the past. And in the case uh, in, I think, Bristol, uh, in the UK, I think they even tossed it into the sea. Um, this, this has been going on and, and is something that has been argued about in the last couple of years about all of the monuments that are in the South. Uh, and the accusation made by either white supremacists or apathetic whites is, if you tear down these statues, you are erasing history. That somehow the statues are history. So I wanted to, to talk about this just a little bit. Obviously, I'm not going to agree with this. Um, on a Christian level, I think making all these statues is kind of like idolatry. Uh, idolatry at worst and, and uh, racial pride at best. I'd say I, it, it's still horrible no matter how you look at it. But it's mostly in the South. And what happened is there's an organization called Daughter, Daughters of the Confederacy that came up in the late 1800s, I believe, uh, with the agenda of whitewashing the history of the South and reclaiming um, the glory of the South, being part of the, the machine that would reclaim the glory of the South. Uh, this idea of resurrecting the South and making the South great again. In a sense, making the South white again. And I have to say, that they were largely successful. Um, they were able to raise money, uh, tell stories their own way of their heroes, uh, and they whitewashed history uh, to the degree that the, the, the people, the, the leaders of the Confederacy, who were on the wrong side of uh, the Civil War, who lost the Civil War, um, who were slave owners and and supported slavery. Uh, they got glorified after the Civil War. Statues and monument, monuments were, were made to them and put up all over the South. And so, yes, these peop people were, were real. But to say that a statue is history... Uh, 
is 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 like saying um, I don't know uh, that um, if you were to destroy the White House, we would know nothing about the presidency and the history of the presidency. It just doesn't make sense, right? History lives outside of the White House. It is more than the White House. There are books and books written about the White House and all the presidents who uh, have ruled from there. And all the people in the South who have monuments to them, there have been books and books written about them as well. Many of them uh, glorified the people. Excuse me. Uh, However, um, very rarely are defeated enemies, especially ones who are found to be morally wrong, very rarely are there there monuments, monuments built to them by public, right, by cities. For example, uh, where are you going to find a monument to Hitler? Just the opposite. When when uh, World War II ended, if there were any monuments to Hitler, and I'm sure there were, they were torn down, right? Because they were now uh, labeled as shameful. Uh, and there may have been some Germans who wanted to, you know, rewrite history. Uh, but by and, lar- by and large, it seems that Germany uh, has has repented of its former um, racist past uh, and tried to move on, by and large, right? However, in the South, it almost seems like the mainstream opinions were that the South's cause was just and that, you know, they, they were fighting a, a losing cause, but it was a worthy cause. And this is the history that they want us to swallow, that, that the South was wronged because slavery was taken from them, right? That they were wronged in some way. Uh, and so the daughters of the Confederacy, Confederacy come along and they begin to whitewash the Confederate history. They begin to venerate uh, Confederate heroes uh, and even teach in schools an alternate uh, false history glorifying the South uh, and the Confederacy uh, Confederacy in the Civil War. And this is borne out by the fact that the Confederate flag is still venerated by many people in the South. Um, the Confederate battle flag. Um, so, so this is still a thing, right? The Civil War ended a hundred and, gee whiz, how many years ago? Well, more than me. So a hundred and almost 60 years ago, the Civil War ended. I'm getting maybe 155, something like that. Yeah, actually 156 years ago, I think the Civil War ended. 155, 156. Anyway, but we still have people that want us to think that the South was wronged, that their just, their cause was just, uh, and that 
taking slavery from them was was a a crime done to the south uh, and if some and some of them if they could would want slavery back it's just ridiculous right it's just crazy the rest of the world however by and large don't want to use the word slave anymore there's a stigma with the word slave uh, nobody wants to be seen as someone who has slaves or owns slaves uh, and so we've changed the terminology uh, now today we say felon or uh, you know we have the word sex trafficking um, but basically by and large that's still slavery uh, by a new name all of that stuff is um, because the word slave has become uh, unpalatable right nobody wants to even think about it or hear about it or talk about it um, the world has moved on the world understands that it was a horrible thing uh, and yet and yet you know people in the south are still trying to uh, you know come up with some kind of you know sob story about you know how the north did the south wrong uh, so, yeah, um, man, what was I talking about? So the, the, these, the, there are people in England who, again, they don't really care about, um, the, the racist cause as much as they care about their statues and not wanting their towns to change. They want to somehow maintain the identity of their towns which in, in large part is wrapped around the uh, veneration of, of these people. But I don't think they have a grasp of, of what black people have gone through here. Now, were they to, uh, I would say, go to India and talk to Indians about how they were treated by the British uh, in uh, the 19th century, uh, they might begin to get a clue or talk to Aborigines in Australia and how they were once treated and, and probably in some respects still are treated uh, by uh, the Australian uh, people and government. Uh, go to South Africa and, and hear, the, hear the people talk about the apartheid era. Um, The statues are oppressive, constant reminders to people of color that they are of less value than white people, that white people see them as less valuable, of not even quite a person. In fact, you know, there was, oh, sorry, I hit the mic. There was a time when um, a black person was known to be three-fifths human. Only three-fifths. They were not a full human. Uh, in the South, they were called three-fifths human. And so in voting, uh, if, if in, your, uh, in your district you had a lot of black, pe black people, uh, you only got to claim 60% of that population as human. Therefore, they could, you know, they made up your district. For example, you get more rep representation. So if you had, say, 100 
white people, uh, you get, uh, I don't know, one representative for, I don't know how many it is. Let's say every 10,000. Uh, so if you have 10,000 white people, you could have one representative, but you would have to have, uh, what would that be? 13,000 black people to get the same representation, right? So that black people, people were only counted as three fifths human, not, not full human. They didn't get a, a full human identity, um, as far as the government was concerned. And this is not that long ago. That's what's ridiculous about it all. Um, we can't forget what happened in the past. And then we can't underestimate the effect that that's had on the currently living black population. It would be hard to read about everything that they went through and then judge them for how things have turned out. Especially since things have not been quite uh, equal, even yet. Um, so, Jim Crow continues. And I, as a white person, my job is to care and to be appalled and to be shocked and to do whatever I can to help, to help change that situation. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's what all of us can start at. We just need to care. We need to, to look at our lawmakers and our police force the justice system and we need to say really are you kidding me this must stop it must no longer continue it's been too long the next question is what can we do to make it up to the people we have hurt. What can we do to make it up to them? What's the right thing to do? And what I would say the right thing to do is to take every single household, number one, and to gift them from the government the average amount of wealth due to them. Everybody gets that. No matter how wealthy you are, you receive this, whatever that amount is. Now we could gift it to them in land, uh, in land with homes, in money, um, in insurance, in health benefits. There's all kinds of ways it could be gifted, but it should be done and it should happen now. Now, what they do with it from there is up to them, and they have complete freedom over whatever wealth they are given. But that should be the minimum. And then we should do the same with Native Americans. The same thing should happen with Native Americans. Any Native American household 
should be brought up to the same standards as the average white household. All of them. We should do away with reservations. They should be gone. They should be a thing of the past. And then the government needs to work hard to bring jobs to where these people live. And they need to take away all of these felonies that were wrongfully dished out. Yeah, some may stick for murder or something like that. I understand that. Okay, you know, I get that. But the playing field field needs to be leveled. We've got to do this. This is the only way. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot. But we have got to do something. Anyway, uh, that would be my solution. And we'd have to do whatever we'd have to do and, and eat whatever crow we have to eat uh, and get down on our knees and beg for forgiveness. Uh, we need to repent. We need to you know, tear our clothes and put on sackcloth and put ashes on our head. Um, we need to fix this. Been far too long. It's been far too long. We have no excuses now. And if you're poor and white, I'm sorry, you're gonna you're gonna suffer the most. The poor and the white are gonna suffer the most in this. And I doubt that the poor white have been treated very good either. Um, but you're just going to have to wait. You're just going to have to wait. Perhaps somebody will come to your rescue as well. I guess I should say our rescue. I feel pretty poor myself. <laughs> but I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not that poor yet. Maybe soon, but not yet. Um, <clears throat> yeah. We've got to fix stuff. We have to fix stuff. We have to make some hard decisions. Um, but they need to be made. And... So I am home. I'm gonna cut off this recording here in just a couple secs. Sorry, I meant seconds, not to, you know, sex. You know what I mean.
so thanks for listening. Uh, I hope this is a meaningful podcast to you. Um, we have a lot to do. We have a lot to do. And the longer we wait, uh, the worse it's going to be for everybody. Uh, so my prayer for um, America right now is that we get to it. We get to it and we don't stop until the hurting people have stopped hurting. Thank you. Bye.